Starting in verse 3 uh, of the Gospel of John, chapter 8, it says this. It says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, uh, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left. When the woman was still standing there, Jesus straightened up. Think about this. Picture this. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So today we're continuing a series on the concept of rest. And we've been talking about rest. And we've been talking about what it means to to find rest for your soul. And we've been talking about Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find what? A to-do list? No, you'll find rest for your soul. So we've been been talking about this for the past weeks. And week number one, we talked about letting go of the weight of religion. Week two, we talked about letting go of the weight of unforgiveness. That was last week. And today, we're going to talk about letting go of the weight of guilt and condemnation. And so in your growth groups this week, we're going to be talking about this whole idea of letting go of the weight of guilt and condemnation. If you're not in a growth group, I want to highly uh, encourage you to join a group. Go to downyfirst.org and you can sign up for a group there. We have like 12 groups that are meeting throughout the week. So this is the topic for today. It's letting go of the weight of guilt and condemnation. So some of you guys know that I grew up as a missionary in Chile, and in Chile, the the religion of Chile is Catholicism. And the Catholicism that is practiced in Chile is very, let's say, very religious. And one of the things that they would do is um, the Virgin Mary, right, the Virgin Mary, which is one Virgin Mary, there's versions of the Virgin Mary in different parts of the country. So you'll find like La Virgen de los Andes, or La Virgen de Maipú, or La Virgen... So there's different versions of the Virgin Mary, and in each sort of section or part of the country, there is a virgin, right, a a Virgin Mary that has certain powers and that will do certain things. And close to where my wife and I grew up, in the fifth region of Chile, there is uh, the Virgin of Lovasquez, which is in the fifth region, and there's this church. And people would go on a pilgrimage every, uh, one, one time uh, every, um, every year, and they would go, and some would walk on their knees, some would drag themselves, and they would bring offerings to this virgin. And the goal was that the bigger the sacrifice, the more likely the virgin was to give you what you asked to do. I made a short clip just to show you guys kind of what that looks like.
So just to be clear, this wasn't, this wasn't in the 70s. This wasn't in the 80s. This is, wasn't in the 90s. This was last year, okay? And so you may look at this, and you may be like, you let, and you're like outraged. Like, how is this? This is such a primitive thing to do. It is so simplistic. It is so, it's so ignorant. It's so abusive. Like, like, how would they allow for this to take place? And I, now, I agree. I agree. Like, what, why, why are people doing this? But, but when you think about it, it actually kind of makes sense. And the reason why it makes sense is because we live in a world that is transactional. Like, if I do something, then I get something in return. If I, if I put money into a vending machine, I'm going to expect to get what I ask for. If I'm nice to you, I'm going to expect that you're going to be nice back to me. If I eat healthy, I'm going to be fit. I mean, so there's this give and take. Life is transactional. So if life is transactional in the world, like why wouldn't that also apply spiritually? That I do certain things and the result of the, of the things that I do for God or for la Virgen de... De Lovakis, why wouldn't that work that way as well? Because the whole idea is you do A, B, C for God, and then as a return, he's going to do something that is equally valuable to you. So with this mentality, walking on your knees to a certain church kind of makes sense because that's, that's logic. That's what you would think that would result in God blessing you, forgiving you, you know, healing a person that you're, that you're praying for and all these things. I had a friend that worked at, at Lovakis, and he said that also when the people would arrive there, they would uh, sell little, like, Jesuses and little saints, and they made a killing, like millions and millions of pesos they would make on that weekend. Now, this is not to bash on the Catholic Church, but the point that I'm trying to, to make is that I understand the logic, I understand the logic, and, and because the larger the sacrifice, the bigger the blessing you're going to get in return, and that's, that's, a, um, that's a transaction that you do with God, and we can be very critical of them, and we can say, hey, Jesus paid it all, Jesus walked to Golgotha, he's the one that carried the cross, we don't have to carry a cross that Jesus already carried, Jesus became sin for us. I want to be careful with how I say the next thing. Even though we can be very critical of what they do or people do or how they can be taken advantage of, there's something that they do get right. There's something that I feel that they do understand. And it's something that I feel that, that as we preach on grace and forgiveness and it's all been taken care of and it is finished, like as we preach all these things that are true, I feel like what, there's something that they get that we need to be very careful that maybe we don't get, and then it's this. It's the gravity of sin. It's the weight of sin. Like, like do we understand, do we fully understand what sin is? or what sin caused, or the effects of sin. Do we truly understand? You see, the problem is I think some of us don't understand sin. And we think that, that sin is, is sort of like on a scale. Like there's a scale of sin. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do sin. But dude, I know a guy. Like, that guy really sins. So my sin is over here, but this guy's sin or their sin is over here. So we think that sin is on a scale, but it's not. 
You see, the Bible teaches us that sin is not on a scale, that sin is a condition. It's a condition from which there is no escape. It's like asking someone, are you, are you pregnant? A little. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You see, we, we, are, we are trapped in a straitjacket of sinfulness that we cannot escape. Sin is not on a scale. Sin is a condition. So sometimes we think it's on a scale. On a scale. We also think sometimes that sin is intermittent. Like sometimes we're sinning and sometimes we're not. Like yesterday I committed like, like 15 sins. But today I was, I'm on like 40. Right? And tomorrow I'll try to do a little better. I'll do like 10. No. That's not the way it works. That's, we are constantly sinning. Everything that we do is sinful. As I'm preaching to you right now, like, I don't know, I want to say 80% of what I'm preaching right now is my heart truly 100% wanting for you to understand what the Bible says and that that word will completely transform you. But there's like 20% of me that's like, I want you to like me. And then there's another part that's like, I want you to think I'm not dumb. And then there's another part that wants you to think, man, he really studied this week. Like, he put in a lot of effort. And you know what's the worst thing? Is that after I say that, I want you to think, the pastor's really humble. Like, he admitted all that. <laughs> Do you see? There's no escape. There is no escape. Sin is a condition. We can't escape it. And so I think sometimes we don't understand sin. We think sin is on a scale, and we think sin is an intermittent thing that sometimes we're sinning and sometimes we're not. Isaiah chapter 64, this is a, I'm just going to mention the verse here. Um, it's um, Isaiah's prophesying toward, toward Israel, but he's, taught, he's, he's saying this. He says, even your acts of righteousness are like filthy rags before the Lord. Even the good that we do is tainted with sin. There's no escape. And, and I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this because, because not only are we completely sinful all the time, but the effects, the effects of our sin is not pretty. Ephesians 2.1 says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. It's death. It doesn't get much worse than death. Death, what does death mean? Death means eternal separation from God. Eternal, and there's nothing worse than that. And that's what our sins caused. Separated us from God. It isolated us from God. It's the worst thing ever. Now, why do we talk about this? Why, why do I think that it's so important for us to, to talk about this? What is the, the point of us understanding the gravity of our sin? Because if we don't understand that you are spiritually bankrupt, that there is no hope, that there's no future, that there's no forgiveness, that there is eternal separation from God that is available to us, we will, we will abuse the grace that we have been given. If we don't truly understand where we're coming from and what we've been rescued from. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You see, there is a danger when we overemphasize things that are true, by the way, but when we overemphasize things like, you're fine, you're fine, God is proud of you. When you sin, 
grace abounds. Don't worry about it. You can never out-sin the grace of God. Or, or he will meet you at your lowest point and he will pick you up. All these things are true. This is all grace, yes. But there is a piece that we miss when we overemphasize this part of the gospel story. And, and, and the, the proper balance between the two things, I believe, is found in the moment when Jesus is found alone with this, mo- with this woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He says two things to the woman. He says, neither do I condemn you. And he says, go and sin no more. Two things. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Which does, which does Jesus say first? Neither do I condemn you. And then he says, go and sin no more. I don't think that the, that the order of those two statements is random. You see, I, we have to understand, that yes, yes, go and sin no more, yes. But he starts by saying, neither do I condemn you. So she, she's on the basis of no condemnation, and then he, she's invited into a life, a new life of no more sin. He starts with no condemnation, um, which I love. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who what? Are in Christ Jesus And that's true for you, and that is true for me. And that is the main point of the story here. It is forgiveness. Now, I want to make sure that we understand this. It's it's forgiveness. And I I get all of the, the grace talk, but we need to understand the proper order. It's forgiveness first. Yes, it is no condemnation first. Yes, but he does say, go and sin no more. He does say it. He says, go and leave your life of sin. So the message today is an invitation for you to go and leave your life of sin. I grew up in a church where, where the focus of the Christian life was the life of the Christian. It was all about you. It was all about being better, doing, uh, trying harder, you know, sin management. Like it was like the whole idea of church was you come into church and you got to do better and you got to try harder because you're falling short. That's why grace and forgiveness needs to be front and center. I understand that. But the main point of the gospel, we've talked about this before, is not our transformation, but it's Christ's substitution. 2 Corinthians 3.21 says this, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, the righteousness and, the righteousness and perfection and hitting the mark, um, all those things that were required were imputed on us. They were placed on us by Jesus himself as a result of nothing that we did, but as a result of everything that he did for us. See, I want us to make sure that we understand the order because he starts with no condemnation. And I want you to understand that we can never mess up so royally that forgiveness is no longer available for us. And you can also never do something that is so good that you don't require the grace of God to be rescued. We have to understand this. It's all Jesus. Jesus is the main point. So, so now, we've said this before, 
We are forgiven. That's why Jesus starts by telling the woman, neither do I condemn you. The problem is that I grew up with the order mixed up. I, I was taught you start with stop sinning. Like, like stop sinning. If you don't stop sinning, you know where sinners go. You need to stop sinning. That's, that's where I would normally start. And so the stop sinning was the motivation that I had to leave my life of sin. So it was like it's condemnation. It's like stop sinning, and then you're walking, and you're like, you got to do better. i got to try harder. But it was never enough. It wasn't motivation enough for me to change my life. Maybe my wife and I, we never actually walked to Lovaques, but that doesn't mean we didn't feel like we needed to, that there was something missing. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like there's something missing. Maybe, there, maybe you're, you're, you're here and you're thinking, there's, there's more that I have to do in order to be accepted, forgiven by God. Jesus is not saying, you've got to clean yourself up before I can accept you. It's like a toddler. Imagine a toddler who's got, who's got the flu. And the toddler can barely, barely walk. Toddler's vomited all over himself. You're, 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 it's your kid. Pooped his diaper. You got to change the diaper. He's a mess. He's got snot on his face. And he's coming to you like, Dad, Daddy. You're like, no, dude. Like, Go clean yourself up first, and then we can talk. That's insane. He can't help himself, and neither can you. We have to come into the arms of Jesus for him to clean us up. He is our father. You see, that's where we start. You see, we, you have to do nothing in order to earn it, and you can do nothing to make it no longer available. His forgiveness, his no condemnation is available for you now. So I want to get the proper order. So the question now is, what do I do now that I don't have to do anything? Right? We don't have to do anything. Okay, so what do I have to do now that it's all, that's all been taken care of? And I believe the, the answer is found in the encounter that Jesus has with this woman. You see, that woman, that woman is you and me. That, that's you and me before Jesus. That, that's, we're that woman that has sinned. We're that woman that is standing condemned to die. We are that woman to which Jesus comes and saves as a result of nothing that she has done. And it is Jesus and us telling us that he's taken away the punishment that was meant for us. So that's you. That's you and me. We are that woman. Standing before Jesus, selfish. Maybe you had an abortion. Maybe you're an alcoholic. Maybe you struggle with lust. Maybe you struggle with gambling. Maybe you have an anger problem. Maybe you're just missing the mark and feel like you're not enough. Maybe you gossip. I don't know what it is, but it's all of us. Standing before Jesus, guilty, and Jesus, what does he tell us? Same thing that he tells the woman. We deserve the punishment. Jesus comes and saves us from everything. So you, maybe you're here today and you feel, you feel condemned, you feel judged, you feel, you feel deserving of punishment, you feel dirty, you feel shame. 
So today I want to tell you what Jesus told the woman. I want to tell you what Jesus told that woman, neither do I condemn you. That's the foundation, okay? Now, leave your life of sin. Not on the basis of condemnation, but on the basis of no condemnation. Leave your life of sin. But here's what I want to do, and I don't have a lot of time, but I want to I share something. And as I was preparing, I'm like, Lord God, please help me um, communicate this the way that I feel it. There's a misconception about sin. I don't think you understand sin. I don't think we understand sin. I want to clarify this for you. There's a misconception about sin. I grew up with this misconception. You see, I thought that the Christian life was about giving up what you really want to do in order so that you can get a reward at the end. Like, I just want to sin so much, but I'm holding back and I'm waiting because at the end I'm going to get a reward. So in other words, it's you either pay the price now and get the reward or you live the reward now and then get the punishment. It was a flip-flop. That is so wrong. It is mistaken because it's basically delayed gratification. I heard a youth pastor once say, it was a joke, he was like, you don't want to ever get to heaven and realize that something that you could have been doing, you realize it's not a sin. It's like, man, I could have been doing that the whole time. And you feel like you've missed out on the sin. Respectfully, I want to tell you this. Some of us don't understand sin. I want to speak to those here who, who have lived a good life your whole life. I want to speak to those here who believe that Christianity is all about not doing what you really want to do now in order to get a reward at the end. You don't understand sin. This is backwards. Maybe you're here and you look, you think about those people who are out there sinning. You're like, oh, look at them sleeping around, having a good, good old time while we're here sacrificing for Jesus. Or look at all those people who are taking drugs, who are partying, you know, they're having a good old time while we're here sacrificing for Jesus. Look at all those people who are doing whatever they feel like while we're here sacrificing for Jesus, you don't understand sin. You see, sin will bring you down. Sin, sin will put you on a trajectory that will not benefit you. Sin will bring down you and the ones that you love. Sin will rob you of your potential and your purpose. Sin will reduce your life from what it could be. Generosity has always been better than selfishness for you and for those around you. Love has always been better than lust for you and for those around you. Health has always been better than indulging for you and those around you. Making good use of your time has always been better than being lazy. You see, the price that you live, the price that you pay for living a life of sin is much higher than a life of righteousness. And also, very respectfully, I want to tell you that if your life of righteousness feels heavy, it's very likely that what you're living is not a righteous life, but a self-righteous life. Make no mistake, your goodness moves the grace needle zero degrees. And your sins move the condemnation needle Zero degrees. 
You see, leave your life of sin was not a condemning statement. That would be a contradiction because he literally just told her, neither do I condemn you. It is an invitation for a better life. Listen, listen, listen. I'm almost done. If you're living a life of sin, you are probably reaping the consequences of that sin. If not, you will reap it down the road. I'm telling you today, leave your life of sin. Leave it. Leave that life. Um, you see, Jesus uses that order. He's all, Jesus uses that order of no condemnation, leave your life of sin, because grace is a much more powerful motivator than guilt and shame will ever be. This is an invitation into a better life, a better life, not in order to be forgiven, but because you are forgiven. You see, if you're looking at porn every day, leave that life. Not to be forgiven, but because you are. If you're angry, you're selfish, you're an ambitious person, you're a workaholic, alcoholism, gossip, sex outside of marriage, like whatever it is that you're doing right now that is sinful, leave that life. Leave it. Because it's bringing you down. And don't leave it to be forgiven. Leave it because you're forgiven. That's why this is so powerful. That's why she left her life of sin. It's like, wait a minute, I'm forgiven? Yes, something happened. Something beautiful happened that I want to happen for you. So here's what I want to ask you to do, if we could just close our eyes for a minute, I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to, we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and, and there's a bunch of things that you didn't understand that now are starting to, to become clear. And I want to remind you this morning that forgiveness is a much bigger motivator for life transformation than condemnation will ever be. I believe this woman was, after all the people left, I believe she was bracing herself for the condemnation of Jesus after everyone left because he was the only one qualified to punish her. What did Jesus do? He let her walk away and he invited her into a better life. And that's the invitation of today. So I want to invite you this morning with eyes closed and heads bowed that you will let forgiveness into your life right now. Jesus looks at you and he says, neither do I condemn you. So my question to you this morning, on the basis of no condemnation, what is it you need to walk away from? What is the sin that is bringing you down? You see, the weight of a sinful life is so much heavier than the life of purity, of righteousness, of generosity. And you don't change because you're going to earn points with God. He already earned all the points for you. You follow Jesus. You leave your life of sin. Because sin is robbing you from a life that was meant for you.
So if you're here this morning and uh, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need prayer, just raise your hand. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do a quick prayer for you here. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 Lord God, so we pray for all the people that raise their hands. I don't know what it is that they need to walk away from, God, but I pray that you will give them the power, the energy, the, the motivation to know that you love them so much, that you accept them so much, but that you're inviting them to walk away from a life of sin. I pray, God, that we'll understand that we'll never be perfect. We know that. You're the only one that's perfect but that sin will take us on a trajectory that is harmful for us and harmful for those around us. So we repent this morning. I repent for my sin. I know what it is. You know what it is. We love you so much, and we thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.